What's up, guys? Welcome to the Reddish News Podcast. My name is Solman Ali, at Solman Ali NBA on Twitter. Okay, after a much-needed three-week vacation from recording, I'm ecstatic to be joined by Craig Ackerman of AT&T Sportsnet. Craig, how you doing? I'm doing well. Looking forward to the start of the season uh, this week. I am, too. I, I'm so happy basketball is back. There's just something I could watch again, which is like... You know, like, th- this dead period is great. Like, it-, it gets you a time to refresh, like, your batteries and all that stuff. But, like, I'm, I'm bored now. I'm bo- I want to see some basketball. Well, we don't have to wait much longer after what was, I think, a pretty, pretty positive and successful preseason for these guys. For sure. So, one of my least favorite phrases of the NBA is, it's just preseason. Like, I hate it. In addition to coming off as kind of a preachy buzzkill, it- I think it's partially wrong. Like, I think under the right circumstances, there's some value to be taken away from the preseason. I'm not saying, like, you should pick your title contender based off the preseason, but, like, if a given team is playing all their players during the preseason as like, and they're treating it like a proper warm-up, I think that data has some value in predicting regular season trends. How do you feel about that? Like, do you agree? Do you disagree? Uh, you know, I, on the surface, I, I want to say I, I, I want to disagree because I think it just varies so widely from team to team, what their goals are, what, what, you know, how they're, what, what are they actually trying to accomplish? How many minutes are their frontline guys getting versus the, your frontline guys? And there's just so many, I think, variables that go into it where, um, it, to me, it's, it's kind of difficult to extrapolate what happens to the preseason in terms of the regular season. Now, what I will say, and I will agree with you on, is that um, if your team looks completely hapless in the preseason, then I think there would be cause for concern, much like if especially the young players participating in their first preseasons, if somebody comes in with high expectations and looks bad, then I think that there are reasons to kind of worry about that. But generally speaking, I, I tend to not overreact one way or the other to good or bad uh, in the preseason unless just things look – and I guess maybe you could say the same thing. If somebody looks incredible, then I think there's a lot – there is reason to be excited about it. It doesn't necessarily pre- predict future success, but I think it gives you um, at least a baseline uh, to be confident about something like that carrying over but again generally i think the minutiae of the preseason is just it's just so tough to predict because every team has just something they're trying something different that they're trying to accomplish yeah i hear you the way i would phrase it is preseason is like what i would call good confirmation bias right like so like whatever you thought of a team going into the preseason if that starts to bear out i think it's fair to like okay then now we can start to extrapolate right like if you already thought that about a team or if you already thought things were headed in a certain direction and it does then you can kind of extract, like, like for example, I'm sure after the preseason we're not predicting the Lakers to win the title, right? Like, well, I, I, knew it, I, I knew that was the team you were going to bring up for sure. Um, <laughs> right. You know what? Preseason has not been kind to the Lakers for the last couple of years. No. Yeah, and and, and I think you know that's 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 borne out right in the regular season, and I think that's kind of like where I like to use the preseason, right? So if if I have a certain inclination, I will lean in. If I see that play out in the regulars in the preseason, um, and again, yeah, I think that goes. I, I think we're basically talking about apples and apples here, right? I mean, mm-hmm. again, I mean, Lakers have not looked good, and I think there is reason to be, if you're a Lakers fan, to be concerned about that. Obviously, they have their whole situation with with Russell Westbrook that they're trying to figure out, and that has nothing to do with him even, you know, whether whether he is or he isn't currently on the trade block. Just are they going to start him? Are they going to bring him off the bench? How is that going to ultimately work? Can Anthony Davis actually stay healthy when he missed two preseason games already with back soreness? Um, obviously, that's been an ongoing issue with Anthony Davis, not his talent level, but his availability. Um, look, I mean, LeBron just continues to, to marvel at his age, and I'm sure he'll have another awesome season. But the question is, is there ultimately enough around him for them to um, reach – I, you know, I guess they're preseason. Most people aren't predicting the Lakers to do. A lot of people have the Lakers in the play-in anyway. So um, I, I don't know if the consensus is the Lakers even have a deep playoff run in them. But if they do, obviously, they're going to need another monster season from LeBron as well as Anthony Davis. And uh, I think if they get that from those two, then I think they're going to be all right. But if Anthony Davis plays, you know, 
50 games or what have you. They, they, they could be in trouble. Yeah, that's a team that needs a trade. Like, uh, that's a team that needs to make a major move. Um, so I say all that to say, to say this. Like, I would classify the Rockets as a team that's taken the preseason seriously. Like, Absolutely. They're, they're being, of course, overly cautious with the injuries, which you're supposed to because these games don't count. But they played hard. Their main guys outside of, like, Jay Sean Tate and Jabari Smith have been available for most games. And I think we can glean some things that from what we watched. And that's why today uh, we are playing a game I just invented this morning called It's Just Preseason, but fill in the blank. So it's a pretty simple concept. We're going to use that phrase to make some bold and not so bold proclamations about the Rockets. Some we 100% believe, some we don't 100% believe. And we'll just go back and forth with it. Okay. Uh, I, I've come up with five of my own. Uh, I've asked you to come up with five of your own. And we're just going to go back and forth. So, Craig, as always, guest goes first. Give me your first one. I have a feeling we're going to overlap on some of these. Okay. Um, th- this is pretty uh, – I guess this is kind of a wide um, uh, thought here. But I, And I've said this on our broadcast already. I think the stellar, the strong play from both Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. that we saw at the tail end of last season and have seen in these last three preseason games is going to be – that is going to be a trend, I think, that will carry over into the regular season. I think it may just be the preseason, but those guys were really, really good these last three games, and I think that is going to be something that's going to happen more times than not throughout the course of this year. Yeah, I, I have a feeling you're already going to hate the way I phrased this first one. Okay, okay. so I kind of have the same thing. It's a little bit okay. different. It's just preseason, but Jalen Green looks like a superstar. So... I've been following the NBA for a long time. You've followed the NBA for even longer than me. We both know how it looks when a young all-star comes into his own, right? Like, we know how that looks. This is not how that usually looks. This looks like a young superstar coming into his own. A guy that could potentially be the best player on a championship team. That's the guy you build everything around. Now, I'm not saying he's that, but this is how it looks like, right? This, this is like how, like, a, the, the way he's just effortlessly scoring and just having fun out there and just kind of toying with teams and like literally warping the defense, which someone that young should not be able to warp a defense, but that's what he's doing, like causing preseason adjustments. Like th- th- that's what he's doing. That's that's something you just don't see. And I don't know, like it's causing me to rethink the way I think about Jalen Green, frankly. I want to obviously, I want to see this in the regular season before I say anything, but. For this exercise, I'm comfortable saying he looks like that. Uh, it definitely looks like he's got another gear that most of these players can't get to, right? And obviously right. that's ingredient number one for a guy to eventually become a top 10, top 15 player in the league. And look, I've said this before. I think we've probably discussed this as well in the past. But the most important factor – for this team moving forward, obviously, is, again, continued growth and development and all that. And I we'll get, I guess we can get into that a little bit more as we move on. But um, is they have to find a true top 10, top 15 player um, to get them to where they want to be. Again, that's how the NBA works. Right. There are a lot of really, really good players in the NBA. And, and, and I, I don't mean – I'm not – trying to denigrate De'Aaron Fox, but De'Aaron Fox is a really good basketball player, like yeah. super talented, but he's not a 10, top 15 guy. And so as a result, he, and, and the NBA, again, one player has such an enormous impact on the general success level of your franchise, right? And those guys who ultimately are top 10 or top 15 guys, they're the teams that are going to win. They're the teams that act, they're the only teams that have legitimate shots, Right at winning a championship, if you don't have one of, if not multiple of those players in any given season that it can be considered, considered top 10, preferably top 15, then you really don't have a chance to win a chip in this league. That's just how it goes because in basketball, just the nature of the sport, you can basically play that person 48 minutes, right? And their level of talent and impact has, 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 has much greater impact on the successful of your team than any other position of sports, maybe perhaps quarterback, right? And even even quarterbacks only play on one side of the ball. So it, it, 
if Jalen, that's that's the next thing for this team outside of the growth and development that everybody's talking about, and there's a reason why because it's true. But they have to be able to find that next guy, and Jalen again, he looks much more confident. Um, he turned into a, a the, the expectations that we all had for him started to become realized in the second half of last season. I think that's absolutely going to carry over to this year. He does look like he has a different gear than everybody else that's on the floor. And so if he can develop into that, then everything else, everything else eventually will fall into place. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, that, that's that's what the Rockets are doing. That's the whole point of a rebuild, right? That's why these top picks matter so much, right? That's why every team this season that's at the bottom of the NBA is going to try to dig even deeper to go back to go down, right? Because that guy changes everything for you. He changes everything, everything for you. And you know, watching him, like my my biggest reservations watching him as a prospect were always two things. I'm concerned about the playmaking. I'm concerned about the defense. And here's the thing: there's a certain tier of players that are so good at scoring the basketball, it doesn't matter. All that's like it almost doesn't like Kevin Durant is a great example. Dirk Nowitzki is a great example. Steph Curry is a great example. You know, like these guys that are just elite, like all-time level scores. Like that, all the other stuff just doesn't matter as much. Like it, they, you can just it's it's hard to build a team, right? Because you have to go find those elements somewhere else, right? You got to go find the best playmaker. You got to go find those defenders. But you can build a team because that guy is good enough. And all you have to do is you know intricately find the the right the right players to weave around him, and you know like. When if if he is that level of score, I you know we always thought he was going to be an all star, right? Coming into the draft, there was no question he would hit an all star ceiling, right? That was that was obvious from the jump. The athleticism, the the shiftiness, the uh, shooting, all that stuff. But he's shooting like forty three percent from three right now in the preseason, right? That's some of that's probably not sustainable. That's going to probably going to drop down to like you know high thirties, but. If he's like a career 38, 39% three-point shooter, which I didn't even think he was capable of, I thought he was going to be like a 37 guy. If he's like a 38, 39 guy, like you're spreading the defense every single time you're on the floor. Your your movement causes the defense to shift with you. And, you know, that, that just, it changes the whole dynamic of your offense. And I, I'm interested to see how if he can carry that, this, what, are you, what he's doing right now into the regular season. If he's if he does what he's doing right now into the regular season, and I don't even know what it is. Like, you know, you, you mentioned comfort there. Like, this is why he's playing better. I think some of it's comfort. I think some of it's just, you know, like, the spacing is better. Like, he has a more wide-open floor. Well, that's what I think mean, that has something to do with his, again, he was terrific second half, but those last seven games when, yeah. and, and I think, that, I think and I've said this before, the, the, the hierarchy, their scoring hierarchy has been reset, right? It's mm-hmm. he and Kevin Porter Jr. options one and two, one A, one B, however you want to classify it. Um, but I, I think there's a definite hierarchy in who's in roles. And I think that's 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 tough to ultimately for every any team to figure out. But I think once, in addition to again, job number one is trying to find at least one, if not more, of those quote-unquote, generational-type talent players on your team to have a chance to win at the highest levels. But outside of that, in terms of, as you mentioned, the, the whole the whole team-building element, not only must you find talented players, but you have to find players who are willing and able and comfortable in their various roles. And so I think a lot of his – I think one of the reasons – and I've, I also forget that Kevin Porter Jr., I think he's going to have a really big season. But everything's sort of designed – for those two guys, they want to play in space. They want to attack. They want to play downhill. They want to play to their strengths, um, and uh, that's I think that's what it that's the way it should be because um, we haven't seen much of Jabari Smith yet. Um, obviously, he had some of his offensive struggles in the summer league. Was amazing defensively. Was really good against the Spurs in the preseason opener, and then has been hurt ever since. So we haven't had much of a sample size from him as we've received from Tari Eason. But I think, you know, I, I think Jalen's going to have a monster year. Um, what they're doing is is designed to play to his strengths. Um, and, uh, I, I, you know, his his handle is tighter, uh, yeah. which allows him to, to bring kind that of, up. Yeah. yeah it, it kind of, it, it just it allows him to kind of get into areas that he was unable to get into um, a season ago. And then, of course, his all-world athleticism just takes over. 
Yeah, you and Ryan brought that up on the broadcast, and I was so angry I didn't notice it like, as quickly as you guys did. Like, he really does look like he has that ball on a string right now, right? And, like, last season, like, that was the ball security was an issue with him. Like, you could tell he worked his ass off this summer. Like, he talked about adding 10 pounds of muscle. I see that, right? Like, that may not seem like a lot. I see that the way he drives to the basket and, and rushes into contact. As opposed to last year when he was like contorting constantly, like you know, there's the, the, the there's... two plays against Miles Turner the other night. Obviously, the attack, the absorbing of the contact, the ability to finish, and then I think it was just right back down the other end. Right, they threw it down to Turner, and he was able to push him off his spot. Mm. Yeah, on defense, it's going to make a big difference for sure. And like you know, th- there are good contortions at the basket, right? And then there's bad contortions. I thought last year, especially that first half, he was doing a lot of bad contortions, right? The the, the shying away from the contact. You, you know, towards the end of last season, and you know, in the preseason, he's doing some of the good stuff, right? Which is like there's a shot blocker there, so I'm going to contort to you know put my finish at the other end of the basket, as opposed to just finishing away from the contact, right? He's getting to the free throw line a lot in the preseason, like. That's something we didn't see a lot of last year. Um, and I think, again, that's partially due to strength. Like and that's he, how you score an average 25-plus a game. If you, you absolutely. You get the line a lot. Every, yeah. every, every high-volume scorer gets to the free throw line a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I just didn't see him becoming a 24-points-per-game guy his sophomore season, but I think it's very much on the table right now. I, it, w- it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, give me your second one. All right, let me hear. I got to put my glasses. I'm getting old. I got to wear reading glasses now, even though I have contacts in. Um, all right, we, I, I've kind of talked a little bit about this, but um, this season, again, is still about the growth and development of the team as a collective and these individual players. Um, I, my, it's just the preseason, and the Rockets look pretty good, but don't judge this group this season by wins and losses because Mm -hmm. again that's still not what this season is ultimately about it is are they the team and are they the individuals are they better at the end of the season than they are at the start of the season and if both of those things are true then that means this team is continuing on a positive track to eventually get back to a playoff contention status, and then beyond that, obviously, hopefully it's several years down the road, having a shot, again, a legitimate shot to start making deep playoff runs um, again. And but I, but, and, and this is why I think this rebuild for me personally is so interesting and fun, is that there, there's not a whole lot of pressure in terms of the, the wins and losses as somebody from the outside. Now, look, if they happen to exceed expectations this year, right, and happen to make a legitimate threat at a play-in spot or maybe even something further than that. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if that's the case, that's a great thing because, as you talked about, then that probably means Jalen Green has quickly elevated himself to superstar status, and then the team is ahead of the curve. But ultimately, if they continue to make – but it ends up being just continued, steady progress, another really good – young player, uh, high draft pick again in the 2023 draft. It's just one more piece. Then you're free um, with all of your cap uh, issues, with all the dead money that's currently on the books. not saying the Rockets are going to go out and spend it all in 2023, but it gives you some more flexibility and freedom. Then I think ultimately things should be judged by wins and losses next season. But I, I think this, even though we saw some really good things from these guys in the preseason, it's still all about the, the growth and development of these young players. Okay, I'm glad you went with that one because I'm going to zag here. Okay. It's just, it's just preseason, but the Rockets are out of their Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes. They're out of it. So I think this one is actually true. So we're recording so this what on does Sunday. does out mean? Does out mean like they have no shot at like, – like they don't have a 14% chance at the number one pick? Yes. Uh, okay. No 14%. Okay. okay. So we are recording this on Sunday night. I wrote my Rocket season preview today, and that will probably be out Monday along with this episode. I have them winning 30 games, which is way higher than you're seeing them everywhere else. ESPN's algorithm has them at 26.5. Most sportsbooks have them at like 23.5. So this is comfortably in the over. Um, 
30 wins is going out on a limb, and I recognize that that's it's not a lot of wins, even though it is going out on a limb. But like that's still a bad basketball team. But it takes a lot. It takes more for them to be in that lower crest of the NBA. You, at this point, you're talking sixth, seventh, maybe even eighth best lottery odds at that point. And they've been tied for first these last two seasons. My thinking here is pretty simple. Like, a, I mean, they've added seven first round picks to this team in the last two years. They've hit on countless other young players outside of the draft, including Kevin Porter Jr. and KJ Martin. Like, that's a lot of high end talent. Like they're going to get they're going to get better naturally by adding those guys, and they've taken two top three picks already. That's my second point. If you're successfully drafting high impact players in the draft every year, at some point one of these guys is going to make an impact. Uh, right. This is an important year for the Rockets. Uh, Steven Sass is up for a contract extension. Kevin Porter is up for a contract extension. They have a ton of cap space coming up, as you pointed out. They have a lot of incentive to get better this year. And I think they'll get better. And I'll just say this right now. Rockets fans shouldn't dread the idea of being out of that sweepstakes. Because the whole point of the of drafting, you know, foundational players is, you know, you, you're going to build around them at some point. And if they've, if they've already got foundational players to build around in-house, I get wanting more scratch-off tickets, but you're already there. And, yeah, no, you know, I agree with you totally. And yeah. I, if they get to 30 wins, I think that that would mean... I think we're pretty much on the same page. Um, if they ended up getting the 31 wins, that means that Jalen primarily and most likely others have really stepped up the level of their play, and they will be ahead of the curve, and that will be a good thing. That's why I think there really isn't a situation with the results of this season that can kind of go wrong, right, with, with this group, right? If if they if they play to the level of expectations, right, in terms of mid-20s, with, with wins, even if they don't land in the top two, they're going to still get a really high-end talent to continue to add to this group, right? And, and if they exceed that win total, as you're, as you're predicting, predicting, then that means these young players have taken huge strides forward and they're ahead of the curve, and that's also a positive thing. Yeah, I think there's like a small percentage chance that 30 wins could end up being conservative, but I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to I'm just going to keep at 30 wins. Okay. I, I think that's kind of where I lean, right? I think they're definitely going to be uh, a better team this year. Um, okay. Your next one. Okay. Well, the Rockets shot uh 42% from 3 in the preseason. Last year, um they were 20th, 21st in the league, bottom third at about 35%. League average last year was 35.4%. From three, obviously, forty-two percent from three as a team is unsustainable. But I'm going to say this year, it's just the preseason. But I think I've seen enough from enough players in the preseason to feel pretty comfortable that this team will become an above-average three-point shooting wow. team. Now, I'm not going as I'm not I'm not going as bold as you are with thirty wins or thirty wins might be too conservative. But <laughs> um, considering where this team has been over the last couple of years. Becoming an above-average three-point shooting team, uh, I think, will be, a, a, again, a huge step in the right direction. Look, Kevin Porter Jr., they want him some more off-ball opportunities to become a catch-and-shoot guy. He was great last year. Had uh, What, he made how – many, how many threes he have against the Pacers? It was three or four, right? And I think maybe all yeah. of them might have been catch-and-shoots, right? Yeah. Um, Jalen, as you've illustrated, has just taken huge strides with that. K.J. Martin has been a revelation uh, in terms of – He his, made five threes, five of six. Five of six. I, I think at yeah. least four of those for Kevin were, were catch and shoots. And, again, yeah. they're trying to give him more of those opportunities because that's kind of smart. Uh, but K.J. Martin's ability to stretch the floor. I, we've only seen one game of Jabari Smith, but everybody's expecting him to be an outstanding three-point shooter as well. Um, you know, Tari Eason, again, has been – has opened up a ton of eyes. So – yeah, I think the Rockets have the the players on their team this year. I'm not saying they, they're going to shoot like the Warriors do, um, but or, or who was who led the league last year in three point field goal percentage? Might have been Toronto. Might, yeah, um, Phoenix uh, anyhow, was pretty good I too. I, I don't remember, but I think I think Toronto. Yeah, that's probably um, right. yeah. I thought I had it in, in front of me, but I don't. Um, we just played them, so that sounds about right. So I, I'm not saying they're going to be at the top of the league, but I, I think that they have the ability to be an above. Uh, average three-point shooting team, which will allow this group to continue to make strides and ultimately will lead to some more victories. 
you know, it's interesting. You know, before we started recording, you told me that you had some out of the box predictions here. I'm like, <laughs> oh crap, am I not bringing my A game here today? Is that, is that I, not I, out of the box enough for you? Or no, 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 no. I okay. I appreciate what you've written down. I, I appreciate this. No, it's just uh, you scared me. I was like, am I gonna get ousted on my own show? I was, I was gonna. <laughs> I was going to have to amend some of these. Okay. Number three for me. It's just preseason, and this is kind of a two-parter. Okay. But Tari Easton's already the best front court player on this team, not named Jabari or Shingu. And the second part is it's just preseason, but Tari Easton will close the season as a starter. Now, I actually don't believe that second part as much, but that first part I do. I, I think, you know, sometimes in the NBA, things are obvious, right? Like they, they appear obvious to you, right? And watching Tari Eason, he just looks way better than everybody in the Rockets front court rotation, like not named Shangun or Jabari. Like he just so much more advanced, like not only just like from a physical standpoint, but from a motor standpoint, he's just ready for everything. He's attacking the glass at every opportunity. John Lucas compared him to uh, Dennis Rodman the other day, which I thought was uh, hilarious. But I, I think it's fitting. Like it's not, you know, what I would compare him to, but I think in terms of that kind of energy style, like, he definitely has that. He's going after every offensive rebound, putting everything back up, finishing at a high clip at the basket. He's making his threes. He's, you know, I think they they found a gem here. You know, they yeah. found a diamond in the rough here at 17 in the draft. Like, they did this again. Last, they're doing it again. They did this last year with Shangu, and they're doing it again this year with Tari. Um, the guy looks and you, and you need more. To hit, you need to hit on those picks mm-hmm. if, if you want to build a contender again. And, and the second part of that is if they turn into something, then their ultimate cap hit when they get their next contracts tend to be a little bit lower, which helps <laughs> your continued team building moving forward. Because, <laughs> you know, right. if the guys taking like Jalen Green at the top of the draft are getting that next monster contract, the next go around, obviously their number is going to be significantly higher than than somebody a little bit lower than that. But, yeah, Tari Eason has been – look, he was terrific in the summer league. He's mm-hmm. been amazing in the preseason. Um, his motor is crazy good. Um, my guess is a month ago, he probably was going to be, and, and I've talked about this in other forums uh, before, and we talked about this on the broadcast. Like starting in training camp, I thought they, there were at least 13 guys on the team who had a case to be made as to why they should be part of the rotation. Obviously, that's you can't do that. I find it – I think it's still going to be interesting to see even if Steven Silas can play 10. It's happened before in the past, but I don't know how much you can successfully play 10 in a rotation every single night. Perhaps some of that will do, be, do fall into place because of some injuries and some games off for Eric Gordon and so forth. And so maybe that rotation maybe some trades. Will, will be 10. Um but I, I, my guess would be the Tari Eason coming into camp was probably thought of somebody at the very back end of that at best. But much like Josh Christopher did last year, and frankly, he's done it to an even higher level than Josh did a year ago, he's already sort of bullied his way into some playing time. Now, how much playing time he's going to be where he's going to see early on remains to be seen. My guess would be somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 or 18 minutes. Perhaps more of Jay Sean Tate, who appears as of right now, looks like he may end up missing the season opener um, in Atlanta with that ankle issue. He's already issue. He's already hurt it twice. So obviously they're going to take it real slow on him. So maybe before Tate comes back, because I think Tate's still going to play about 30 minutes a night. Um, he's going to play like starters minutes, even though he's coming off the bench. But yeah, Tari Easton has been fantastic, much like Shingun was, and it was one of those situations where. When he saw Shangun last year, it was like, whoa, this guy's not going to spend a minute down in the G League. He's going to be playing. He's going to be contributing. Um, and I would very much assume the same for Tari Easton this year. Yeah, imagine the roster crunch had they not traded Christian Wood. Like n- Now they have at least some breathing room. And I still think they, they need to make another trade at some point to open up even more room. But, like, they're they're definitely going to have to play him. Like, he, he is he is not making it an option for them. Like, it's one of those it's, – it's exactly like Shangun last year, actually. Like, I, like you, you brought up Christopher, but I remember Shangun was a guy I thought was potentially going to be in the G League because I just didn't think there was going to be any room for him because they had just signed Daniel Tice. They had Christian Wood already. I'm like, what, is he going to play third string center? Like, no, he's probably going to be in the G League. And he goes into summer league, he kills it. Goes into preseason, he kills it. 
and and goes into training camp because what is Steven Salas going to do at that point? He has to play him, right? So, like, I think this is one of those cases where, like, he's going to end up being, like, an eighth man for this team. Uh, almost because they have no other choice. They have, like, and that's a good thing. That's that's like you know when you no, that's, a, like no, that's that, a good thing. That's right, that's, yeah. that's a positive. I mean, if, right. if, if you if you found a gem at that point in the middle of the first round or gems in the middle of the first round, again, that's that's a positive thing. If those guys can step up and contribute and be solid NBA players, um, then that's sort of the the secondary part of championship team building, right? You still need you still need that number one, right? And again, fingers crossed. With all due respect to Jabari Smith, as of right now, I would say Jalen Green's the only guy on this roster who has that potential to be that sort of generational talent. We have to we still have not seen enough from Jabari Smith yet to pass judgment on that one way or the other. But then you need guys like Shen and Easton to fill out, round out, and um, make your team better by doing what they do. And again, he has been. He's been really, really, really good. Um, he was good in training camp. Um, and, uh, you know, um, it just he just – he has – he understands what he's being asked, and he's doing it to, like, the nth degree. And Ryan's brought this up already in the, on our telecast in the preseason, but it's like, you know, you have to run a play for this guy. And you need guys like that on your team. He can go still get his and help contribute to winning – by not having to worry about whether or not he's getting enough touches. No, yeah, it's 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 crazy because it does feel like you feel his impact on offense on every single possession. And, and sometimes those possessions he doesn't even touch the ball. And like that's fine because he'll he'll get the ball. Right? Like he he he'll that's a, a coaches love players like that, which is like another reason why like he's going to play major minutes because he is coach's catnip. Right, just getting offensive boards doesn't have, doesn't need the ball to to produce, and he's not going to complain. Like I, I, th- I, I, I love him as a player, and like you know, it's funny coming into the draft, I was like, oh, this guy's going to be kind of like a Robert Covington three and D kind of guy, and he looks more like a Jeremy Grant kind of guy, right? Which is like you know, Jeremy Grant like offensively produced for Detroit at a level I didn't think he was capable of, right? And I kind of feel the same way of Tari Eason. I didn't think he was capable of producing like this on the offensive end um and it's translating and we'll, we'll be able to see if he's going to be able to do this in the regular season but i i suspect he's gonna just kind of the kind of player he is he's gonna find a way to be productive he plays hard and that's what this team wants every one of these guys to do and he really kind of sets the tone with mm-hmm. his just i mean the guy just and, and that was that was you know that was one of the, the the positives about him coming into the draft right was the guy was just the guy just played hard. He plays hard. And it was somebody in college who played some different roles and was asked to do different things, including coming off the bench. And he said, okay, fine. And he excelled at it. And here he is in the NBA. And he's doing his – he's playing to his strengths, and they're allowing him to do so. And, um, yeah, he's been he's – been, I mean, look, he was – Jalen Green was really good. But Tari Eason, obviously, was the biggest story for the Rockets in the preseason, period. Right. Okay. Uh, give me your next one. All right. Well, since we're talking about Easton, but I think what the makes look, there were there were they basically Rafael Stone and Steven Silas basically said um, their goals this year were basically threefold outside of the growth and development thing we've already talked about. They wanted to play hard. They basically wanted to take the fight to the opponent. Like they did not want to be a team that other teams enjoyed playing against, as we've kind of seen at times over the last um, couple of years, and. They had a, I wouldn't say almost singular focus on defense and training camp, but it was pretty close. You, me, oh, my little, uh, we have a little dog out there screaming, so hopefully it's a cross here on the on the podcast in the background. Yeah, uh, she's fine. She's, uh, she's like Her, a special yeah. needs dog, and she's basically blind. And if someone's not in the room, she'll oh. freak out and start crying. It's okay. She's okay. Nobody's nobody's hurting the dog. Um, so anyhow, uh, back to my uh, – but they're they, – they, you knew it, I knew it, they knew it, everybody knew it. This team had to improve defensively. They were the worst defense in the league last year. It had to get better. There was only one way to go and up. And I think with guys like Eason, Smith, and Tate, I think that goal of them being an improved defense will be realized. Now, I'm not going to sit here and predict, okay, are they going to be average? Are they going to be better than average? Where are they going to ultimately fall in that spectrum? Because I don't, I don't know because these guys are still so young and raw. 
But I do think that their goal of being an improved defensive team will be realized this season, and I think it's going to be a pretty significant improvement just based on these this this new personnel they have. Let's be conservative. How about not bottom five? Can the Rock? I think the Rockets. Yeah, I think, I think they have the makings makings of, of no longer being one of the five worst defenses in the league. Right, and I think, I think that I, would I, be, I agree again, that would be a win. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree with you. I think I think they have added a lot of defensive pieces. It's funny how the draft worked out for them. It's like you know they may they may not have intended to go in with that kind of a strategy, but it kind of worked out that way where they drafted a defensive player at pretty much every level of the draft. I thought all all three of those guys have the capability to defend, and I think um, going into this season, like some of their guys are just going to get better defensively. You know, Kevin Porter Jr. is going to get better defensively. Jalen Green's going to get better defensively. Uh, Jay Sean Tate's already you know very good, and you know I think. KJ Martin in particular, I'm very curious to see how he improves as a defender because he has all the physical tools to be a good defender. So he's going to be someone to watch this year. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm with that. I think they can definitely improve uh, and take a stride there defensively. Uh, and frankly, uh, my 30 win total prediction is banking on that. <laughs> well, I, 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 that would be if, – if they are that much improved defensively, then ultimately they will win more games because of it. I mean, it's just, right. it's just fact. Right. Um, okay. I, I'm, I'm going to go negative here, but I, I, that's, that's only because I want to end on a positive. And okay. like, it's just preseason. I, but I don't think the Rockets quite understand how to use Alper and Shangun. Uh, or they're figuring it out. They're, he, it's, it's a process right now. Um, he looks out of place with that starting unit, uh, which is something I didn't expect. But I mean, part, part of that's on him. Like he has to find ways to be more aggressive. And I think part of that's like, Okay, I think I think he could do for some more being the screener, right? Like, like sometimes he's kind of just not involved in the play at all, right? The Rockets are playing really fast. It's not the best style for him, right? Frankly, it would be better for 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 him to actually have things run through him, but it's it's better right now. I mean, it looks better right now with things running through Green and Porter. So I I don't think that's necessarily like the coaching staff is doing anything wrong. I just think you have to find ways to creatively figure him into the offense because otherwise he's not out there for defense, right? He, he's out there to produce on the offensive end. I think he's a better pick and roll player than he's thought to be, right? If you watch him in the BSO, he was a really great screen and dive guy. I would like to see him try that at the NBA level, or at least, you know, experiment with some of that. Um, the Rockets are doing this weird thing where they'll play Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, and Alperin Jengu in the starting lineup, and they'll almost pull all three of them all together at once for the bench units. That's an opportunity, actually, I think, for Shengun to kind of be a driver for those bench units, you know, be kind of a hub for those bench units. You know, there are little ways I think the Rockets could utilize them better, but that, that's just a criticism I kind of noted while I was watching them in the preseason. Well, they don't have a – they don't really have a true uh, – and, and, one, and one of the areas I think that was a, a bit disappointing in the preseason was the lack of production from second units um, mm-hmm. that we saw. And I think um, – and look, Josh Christopher is 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 trying, but I don't think ultimately long term he's somebody that you want to be as a secondary playmaker for that group. So ultimately, I think you know if if they can find a way to to put Shingun in with the second unit and also Jay Sean Tate as well, I think you the Rockets are going to go basically without a first of all they have just too again they have too many players who need to play, um, and they're basically on their roster right now they're backup quote-unquote point guards would be Knicks and Ty Ty Washington. And I thought all along neither would be playing much, if at all, um, at the NBA. And not 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 a knock again on, on them individually. It's just that just was not going to be any minutes whatsoever for either one of them. And Ty Ty has actually shown me some pretty good stuff. I mean, he's got a really good feel for the game. And I think he's going to have a nice run uh, with the Vipers leading that group, and uh, and I think the Vipers are going to have another really good team in part because of that again. But yeah, we'll have to wait and see how how, how things go uh, and shake out with Shingun. Look, I, I am you and I are both huge fans of his. I'm and I I, I really really enjoy watching him play basketball um, because he's willing. You see to that touch pass the other day where like he he just like touched it for like a nanosecond, got to the teammate. That was, that was yeah, awesome. He, he's like willing to do. He's willing yeah. to do anything. And, and I think you know Ryan pointed this out. Um, we streamed the the last preseason game against the NBA, so I don't know how many people actually saw that as a, because we weren't telecasting it um, by regular means. But he just seemed said he pointed out that he just his rhythm 
just kind of seemed about a half a step off. Like his timing was a little bit off. Um, now, I, who knows what, what has gone to that. Maybe that does have something to do with being in the starting lineup and playing with Green and Porter and those guys being top options and so forth. And um, But, you know, the first game against San Antonio, they played through Shingoon. So I think it is going to be a, a work in progress. But there are some people in the league who – don't really know, and I and, and I kind of tend to see this. The jury is still a little bit out. They don't know exactly what to make of him just yet. I think everybody sees that he's got incredible basketball IQ and high offensive talent, especially his passing is already at a amazing level. Um, but I think there are a lot of people in the league who still don't really know what ultimately he's going to be long term. But hey, look. I like him. I think he's super talented. He's earned the right to see starters minutes. Um, it may be a work in progress. It may not be ultimately. Maybe he just needed to kind of get through some some games and make some mistakes and just get a little more comfortable himself uh, when the regular season starts. But, look, this is, I think, the luxury that the Rockets have in the position that they're in because there's not a ton of pressure still to win a lot of games. And so you can try some different things. If they work, great. If they don't. You can change them up and try it again. But um, I really like him, and I, and I do think that he's ultimately going to have a very good season. Yeah, I'm still in on Chengun, don't get me wrong. Uh, and by the way, you, you mentioned how like he looks kind of out of rhythm or like at, like a step kind of too slow, I think. like That was kind of a trend like towards the second half of last season as well. Like I, I noticed like you know maybe it was uh, scouting catching up with him because we know that scouting was definitely not up to par with him at the beginning of the season but when teams kind of figured him out and like when the Rockets were running faster and like Jalen Green was coming into his own I think that was a big part of it like they no longer had to lean on him as much anymore and I wonder if that decrease in usage you know had something to do with him just kind of like getting lost in the shuffle uh, I, I don't know how else to describe it uh but there are ways to kind of might, his, some of his production also might be matchup dependent as well I agree um, yeah you know, uh, certain personnel, certain teams might give him, you know, um, more more struggles than others. So there, he he did not play well against Miami. Again, the foul trouble, the fouling was was an issue there. It's going to be an ongoing concern until he ultimately clears that up. Uh, but I, I think he's I think he's I think he's going to be fine. Um, and they're, they'll ultimately find a way to. To, to utilize him, but first and foremost, again, it, the, the, the job with this organization is try to make sure that they have a foundational talent, and that's why that focus remains on Jalen Green. Yeah, and for what it's worth, I do like the two-man game between Shengun and Green. I think they have, they're, developing, they're developing some nice chemistry together, especially operating in the pick and roll, and I think that's going to be key. Like, I, I think that's going to be key uh, moving forward to their offensive production. Um, okay, uh, give, me your, give me your last one. Uh, your last one, right? It uh, it's it was just the preseason, but two parter. The Rockets were the best rebounding team in the league in the preseason. I don't think that's sustainable. Uh, much like the forty two percent shooting from three as a team is sustainable. But again, I think they have the personnel and the playing style and the athletes to be a better than average rebounding team. This season, um, a year ago, they were 28th in rebounding percentage, despite the fact that Christian Wood had some pretty gaudy individual rebounding numbers, um, gave up too many second chance opportunities. Um, I think they're going to be better on both ends of the floor, just again, based on personnel, playing style, athleticism, one additional year of maturity. I think the Rockets are going to be a much improved rebounding team this year. Yeah, and I think part of that is like Usman Garuba actually contributing to the second unit. It was like really encouraging, like him just finally getting an opportunity to get out there with the team uh, and just play his game, which I, it looks like it appears to be the Rockets see him best in this kind of backup center role, right? And like the screen and dive guy. You know, it was kind of difficult to project a position for him early on. Like, what is he? Is he a four? Is he a five? He's been he seeing a, a lot of time at the four, though. Um, yeah. Practices and so forth. We saw it against the Pacers and some of those different lineup combinations. Again, I don't know how reliable those lineup combinations are going to be moving forward because it was just the preseason. Um, but but he was terrific in Eurobasket, rebounding the ball, playmaking. Um, as you mentioned, his biggest issue has been that in the moments that they've kind of needed to see him and evaluate him, he's just been hurt. Um, and um, 
But what I will say is I I still don't see very many seem very many minutes for him. Oh, really? In, in his near term future. No, I think it's pretty clear that Bruno Fernando is is ahead of him. Ooh. Okay. Um, in in the depth chart, um, just based on what we've seen um, in the preseason. Um, I like Bruno. I like Bruno a lot, um, and I I, it, I don't know how ultimately how much how many minutes. Fernando's going to see because it remains to be seen because we only saw Jabari Smith one game. Can they get away with him playing back at five minutes? Right. Um, because then, then we're talking about again, uh, how are they ultimately going to expand that rotation? Can they expand that rotation successfully? Um, if Shangun is in foul trouble, uh, then ultimately I think Fernando probably sees um, some more, uh, some more minutes uh, there. But I think at the start, I think I mean, as long as Jabari Smith is is healthy, it, I would assume that he would see quite a few of those minutes uh, at the back of five, and then maybe just some spot minutes here and there for Fernando for a variety of, of reasons. But yeah, I, I I I would be very surprised if the season when the season starts this week in Atlanta, um, if the first quote unquote center off the bench. Is Garuba over Fernando? I think it's going to be Fernando over Garuba. Yeah, I wasn't keeping track of these minutes, but it, it does appear that you're right. Looking at these box scores, Fernando's get consistently getting more minutes than Garuba. Um, and I, I, listen, I'm a, I'm a fan of Fernando. That that is a surprise to me because it's like, okay, so now where are they going to fit in Garuba? Like, is he just going to go back to the Vipers? Which you know, that's fine. He was good with the Vipers last year, but I think he has first... to play. I think if he's yeah. if, if if there's no clear path to legitimate regular minutes at the NBA level. He's somebody – he's still so young. He's only 20. He's somebody yeah. that has to see – I think it's important for his personal development to continue, continue to play as opposed to just sit on the bench. Yeah, and, and like, he was – I mean, he's a first-round pick. Like, you have to see something from him. Like, it just um, – you know, watching him uh, for Spain, like, he was such an integral defender for them. And, like, I, I want to see him do that at the NBA level. But, really, for him, the biggest issue, obviously, is health. And the other, the second biggest issue is, like, what is he offensively? Right? Like, he's clearly uh, not a three-point shooter. Uh, he's clearly someone that sets good screens, but after he sets the screen, doesn't really do much after the fact. You know, and I think the Rockets are trying to get him to be this more screen-and-dive guy. Uh, he just has to be more forceful in that. Like, Fernando, like, as soon as he sets the screen, he's off. Right, right. Uh, Usman Garuba is is not that yet, and that's something he's going to have to work on because if he's not a shooter, he has to be a strong screen and dive guy. Yeah, and 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 he's also a tad bit, you know, a tad bit on the on, so is Fernando a little bit, I guess, on on the tad in terms of his height, but he's a tad mm -hmm. bit undersized. Um, and again, I think some of his developmental curve has been hurt by the fact that he's just been he was he's just been hurt. I mean, I really thought, and we we may have talked about this. You know, I thought the summer league was going to be really important for him, but he was hurt. You know, couldn't couldn't play again, um, uh, and you know, and so I'm I'm happy that he's healthy and he's and, he, and he's and he's and uh, he's been healthy throughout training camp and the preseason and so forth. But I can tell you just firsthand from what I've seen, I watched some workouts over the summer before the team ended up going to Las Vegas. It was in Lake Charles. I've seen some other practices. Uh, Bruno Fernando's been very good. He's also a pretty vocal guy. And look, he's only 24. It's not like he's 30. Um, so he's still very much on the on the in in the in the age group of the trajectory of the vast majority of this team, anyway. So um, and I just think it seems it just seems like when Fernando's on the floor, positive things happen. Exciting, definitely exciting things uh, happen, uh, which I'm all for. But um, but yeah, I would be I would be very surprised if 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 uh, my guess is that Garub is going to play a lot of minutes for the Vipers. Fair enough, fair enough. Because um, they already have they kept Bobon right, and you have mm -hmm. Fernando, and you got Shingun, and you can play mm -hmm. Jabari Smith there. You can play KJ Martin there if you if you had to right in certain matchups. Um, and Garub is just somebody I don't think you want to just have sitting at the end of the bench. I just don't think that serves him. Well, at all. Again, I, I could ultimately be wrong, but based on what I've seen from the preseason, I would I would be surprised if 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 he ends up leapfrogging uh, Fernando on the rotation. 
Yeah, there's just so much of a roster crunch there at, the, at that front court position. Like there, there isn't really a lot of room for experimentation, but I'm sure they're going to have to find ways for Jabari because, I mean, just third overall pick, you have to, you know, see where he's best used right. on the floor. Uh, and he was terrific of defensively him, as a five in the summer league. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, but but like outside of him, it's like I I don't know if like guys will really get to play here, you know, in the front court. It's like, okay, like, what position are you best at? We're only using it, you at that position because otherwise there's just not playing time for you. Like, you're you're going to play these 15 or 20 minutes we can carve out for you, and that's it. Um, you know, and sometimes that can be a good thing. Sometimes it simplifies roles, right? Like for Garuba, I think that could be a good thing down the line, just to simplify. You're only a center. So just think of yourself as a center, play the center, learn that position, and that's where we're going to play you. And I think that will be a good thing for him long term. But in the short term, he's going to struggle to find playing time for, for the Rockets next season. Um, okay, we're going to end on a fun one, but okay. I, I'm not sure I entirely believe it. But I, I, you know, it is it is a fun one. It is, it's just preseason, but Kevin Porter Jr. will be signed to an extension by the time this podcast gets released. Ooh. Um, yeah, I, I I am impressed. He's played well in the preseason. Like I, I, I you're I, saying like I, in the next twelve hours. Yeah, I'm not listen. I'm not. I'm not saying this is gonna happen. I'm just. I just. I just wanted to throw a fun one in there. Um, I wanted to find a way to talk about him. He <laughs> he he is playing well. He is playing well. The three point shooting is carrying over, which leads me to believe what we saw last season was real. You know, like that was what he was doing on the catch and shoot stuff was real, and he is uh, really confident. The driving kicks he's finding, like he found Shingoon. For like three wide open uh, catch and shoot threes, he's not shooting them. That's a different story. But like he he he's <laughs> he looking needs for to, these guys. He needs to take yeah. him. He needs to take he, him. He, he needs to take him. But like he's finding these guys. You know, he's finding Jalen Green. He's finding um, Garrison Matthews. He's finding open shooters all the time. Uh, he's playing like a point guard now. I, I I still struggle with him sometimes as a decision maker. Sometimes he's not always making the right decision. But like he is. More comfortable, he's more comfortable with that position, and um, seeing him operate as a point guard um, in the preseason. I mean, he looks much. He looks very natural next to, out there next to Green. You know, those two sort of developing some nice chemistry, playing off of each other. Yeah, last seven games of last season, he averaged the LeBron twenty nine seven seven. I think LeBron's twenty eight seven seven, but you know him. Mm-hmm. He's not going to average twenty nine seven and seven throughout the course of the season. But I said it a month ago, two months ago, yesterday. I'll say it again right now. I think Kevin Porter Jr. is a really talented player. This is an organization that has invested um, quite a bit in him as a person. Um, they they do believe in Kevin Porter Jr. Um, I think he's going to have – I think his carryover from the end of last season will be something, as I said, at the very top of this will 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 continue. I think he's gonna have a big year. I think he's gonna have a really, really big year. Again, floor will be spaced, his ability to attack and drive, um, willing and able passer. Um, again, I think they're smartly getting him off the ball a little bit more to allow him to play to his strengths as the catch and shoot three point guy. I think he's gonna have a really big season. I know he has his fair share of detractors um, out mm. there. It seems like Everyone that's not sort of affiliated in one form or fashion um, with with the Rockets, it seems like there are a lot of detractors uh, from him. But he's a sweet guy. I think he's got a ton of talent. I think he does have a very bright future. I think ultimately his contract situation will work itself out whenever that ultimately um, gets done. But I think he's going to have a, a, a really, really big season. He is by far the most polarizing player on this roster. Like it's not even close. Uh, like Shangun is up there, but not enough people know Shangun, right? Like Kevin Porter Jr. is a guy that everybody in the NBA has an opinion of, right? And he a lot it's, of it's, it's negative. Like, and I don't, I don't. I mean, I, look, he's had some issues, but I, I, I mean, I, I don't understand why it's that negative. And I, I, you know, what I'm saying, um, and obviously he's. He's got to continue to mature as a person, um, and, and I think that ultimately that will, will come with time. But um, I, I think he's a sweet kid. So I mean, he's a good guy. I mean, like for, from from everything I've seen, he's, he seems like a good 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 character guy. He's just you know, 
you know, some guys just, you know, they have they have stuff like and like that's he has stuff, and like I, I don't I don't think that's any different from a lot of players in the NBA. Uh, he's just had very public stuff, and I think uh, watching just on a basketball perspective, I've definitely been someone that's been a skeptic. You know, and I and I'm I want to see more of this in the regular season before I say he's definitely going to be the the point guard of the future for the Rockets. I'm still not there yet. Like I'm still not 100% sold yet. But like he's definitely like the more he plays, the more he he kind of alleviates some of my skepticism. It's like he he looks much more comfortable in his position. And again, like the catch and shoots, what what he did there from a shooting perspective is going to do him wonders. Uh, playing off of Jalen Green, playing off of this roster. Um, and it's going to make him more efficient. You know, the free throws are going in, you know, in the preseason, which was oddly an issue with, for him last year. He's a 63% free throw shooter. Pretty much everybody. Yeah. But, um, I, th- I, th- I think he'll be better at that. I think he'll be, get, he'll get back to where he was for his career, which is like, what, 75%. Uh, I think, I think you look at his efficiency. If, it, if that dips back up to where he was, you know, at the beginning of his career, particularly at the rim, he was a, a much better finisher at the rim. Uh, at the beginning of his career, and that's kind of dipped off last year. Uh, so, you know, he mentioned that he wants to get back to finishing at those levels. He, he worked on it this offseason. If he can get back to that, if he continues this catch-and-shoot three-point shooting, there's going to be a spot for him because there's currently, at, at, at this moment, like, there's nobody at starting point guard I'd rather play than him. Um, I just, I'm just being blunt right here. Like, I, I, I think I he's the most talented uh, person who could credibly play the point guard position for the Rockets. And, I agree. Um and if if it pays off, I mean that's again the rock. This is a guy the Rockets traded nothing for. Like you know, I say nothing, and I feel like people think I'm saying, oh, the second round pick. No, 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 nothing. A second round pick that didn't convert, nothing. So if that pays off, that's one of the biggest coups that Rafael Stone's ever pulled off in his tenure as general manager. Yeah, they gambled. They gambled on his talent, and again, they have they have provided him. Uh, a support system. Um, a lot of credit goes to to John Lucas. To be quite honest, I mean John Lucas, I think was instrumental in in in, in Jalen Green's improved shooting. His last season went along as well. Um, and uh, but yeah, they, they they believe they believe in Kevin Porter Jr. the person, Kevin Porter Jr. the basketball player. And again, obviously the the contract stuff is business, and I think will ultimately sort of work itself out whenever that whenever that happens. But I think to this point, the organization has played this pretty well in regards to Kevin Porter Jr. in terms of, look, we're going to, we believe in you. We like you. Um, We, we, we will provide a a structure and support system for you. We're here for you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And ultimately what you need to do is get out on the floor and prove it. And I think if he ultimately, and I think he's going, I think he's going to prove it this year. I think he's going to have an out standing season and I like I have not privy to what talks are between you know Rafael and his representatives I have no idea what's going on between the two sides and the in in the give and take but my guess would be if they ultimately don't come to some sort of an agreement by the time that this podcast airs um that his side would say and they probably thinking along the same lines I am like okay we're gonna bet on this you bet on yourself you're gonna have a big year this year and it ultimately Will will allow us to put you in a better financial position moving forward. Again, as a representative of Kevin Porter Jr., and I, I think he is going to have a really, really good season. And I think ultimately, um, not always, but ult- some. I think showing that level of a commitment to somebody um, at, at some point, you would think would allow two sides to come together on something that would be beneficial to both parties. Uh, again, maybe that's tomorrow. Maybe that's, you know, um, six months from now. Maybe that's ultimately, you know, after, he, you know, through restricted free agency, who knows? But I, I they have they have invested with so many naysayers out there. This has been a place that has, has stuck by him, and um, I think he's going to reward – uh, them with a, with a really big season. Yeah, listen, the Ro- the Rockets' belief on Kevin Porter Jr. Like, I may not always agree with it, but I respect the hell out of it. They're sticking with their gumption here, uh, and they've they've been like this for like two years now with Kevin Porter Jr. Very insistent that no, there's lots of talent here. 
there's lots of untapped talent here that we can crack into. Uh, we just have to harness it. And, you know, you, you mentioned John Lucas. Man, I got to tell you, John Lucas might be one of the most important coaches in the NBA, not not in the head coaching position. Like, he is so instrumental. Countless people lean on him, not just players. Like, other coaches, the front office, frankly. Like, a lot of people lean on John Lucas, not just this front office. Like, the past regime would lean on him, which is, like, saying a lot. Like, he's just a constant go-to guy for people. Uh, really high character guy. I mean, that's that's really, basically what his, he's built his whole life on since he had his yeah. own personal struggles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, absolutely. And, and like really generous with his time as well. It's, you know, just selfishly. I, I always love that about him. Um, and I, I, I think what he's doing with, with Kevin Porter Jr. is like one of the best stories in the NBA, you know, just, just getting a guy that's, you know, really struggled other spots, uh, Finding, getting him back on track, and even if he's not, you know, a starting point guard for this team, it's pretty clear after this run with the Rockets, he's going to be a productive player in the NBA for a long time. There's no yeah. question about that. Yeah, his 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 floor his floor is basically that productive yeah. NBA yeah. player. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think um, when you when you watch the Rockets over the next couple of years, or at least you know this, this upcoming season. He is definitely still remains. I mean, it's crazy. I had I had this as my most intriguing storyline last year. It remains my most intriguing storyline this year, uh, maybe even more so this year. What he what what he does or doesn't do this season will shape so much of what the Rockets do, not only at the draft next year, but in free agency uh, with him personally, his contract, all that stuff. Um, I, I'm, I'm so interested to see what the Rockets do in the next 24 hours. Uh, if anything happens in the next 24 hours, uh, personally, I, you know, I, listen, I, I'll play, I, I said this before I play the restricted for agency game. Uh, you know, there's no harm to it. That's why it's there. Uh, I don't think it's an insult to, to say, Hey, you know, we'll, we'll do this. At, we'll take care of this at the end of the, of the season, you know, go, go find your market value and we'll match. You know, if we believe in that contract, um, I have, I have no problem with them going about going, going about it that way. Um, I think you know, I'm, I'm I'm rooting for him. I really am. I, I want him to succeed, whatever his ceiling is in the NBA. Um, and if it's a starting point guard, I want that to be true. You know, he he is so much fun to watch. Uh, even in the mistakes, they're fun. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see how there, this- there there is one area of his game that that has to improve. He's got to cut down on those turnovers. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it, 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 that. He, he is fun, but sometimes uh, a little too much fun, if you know what I mean, when it comes to turning the ball over. So, I yeah. mean, and again, that's that's another area where this team needs to um, get a whole lot better at. And I think the one area for me, again, as I referenced this earlier, of, of concern is playmaking with the second unit now with Shingun in the starting lineup. Is he going to see some more minutes with the second unit? Are they going to lean on Jay Sean Tate? Are they going to stagger Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr.? Exactly how are they going to tackle – that particular issue because I think the starting five has the makings of being pretty good. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the starting five is going to be much improved. I mean, it just makes a lot more sense from a geometric standpoint. This, the floor is just so much more open, right? We talked about this uh, at the start of the podcast. So I think that's why Jalen's, you know, having this, some of the success he's having, you know, obviously some of that's him getting more comfortable, him getting better with the handle, the strength, all that stuff. A lot of it's just also like this, the floor is open, uh, they're playing more fast. They're playing more loose. Um, they have more talent uh, that they've just drafted. Uh, that that lends well to this style. So I'm excited, man. And again, we we pretty much played the bulk of this preseason without Jabari Smith Jr. And we're we're going to see a lot a lot of him uh, yeah. this season. So I, I, that's going to be even more interesting to watch. Lot, lot uh, to they, be excited about. And we didn't even talk mm-hmm. about how Eric Gordon slept walked his way in the preseason to, to looking really good. <laughs> that was the easiest, like 20 points I've ever seen in my life. Like he was just <laughs> like, like I'm going to get my 20 points and go home. Like, like <laughs> it was, it was amazing. You know, he, he's so good. He, he is really, really good. So, but no, I, I'm, I'm very excited. I, I mean, I, 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 this this process, I know it's cliche, but um, to me is is fascinating. Um, I think the team like there's no guarantee of anything on down the road, but I think they they're on the right track um, and they're heading in the right direction. Um, and at bare minimum, um, if anything, this team is going to be an absolute hoot. 
uh, and a lot of fun to watch this season because they have so many explosive athletes. And so, just for the pure, just for pure entertainment reasons, uh, I think that I'm, this is going to be a really good year. Absolutely, absolutely. And a lot of this happened so fast. There's so many, so many young players out here that are really, really good. Um, thank you so much for coming on, Craig. Anytime, uh, thank can, you. Where can we follow you on social media and follow your work this season? Uh, well, again, back on uh, AT&T Sportsnet here in Houston, uh, working alongside uh, Ryan Hollins and now Vanessa Richardson on the sidelines. So we're going to be doing every single one of the games again for the second year in a row, all 82 of them. So uh, happy about that. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, what is it? Uh, CA underscore Rockets. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one of the I've, I've told you this before. I think you're one of the best uh, – broadcasters on league pass i truly mean i appreciate that, that. thank you you're really really talented um thank you so much for listening to the podcast uh subscribe on itunes google play spotify stitcher go to rainagedoops.com put your email address in to read my work and yeah guys i'll talk to you guys down the line talk to you later craig yeah we'll uh, see you at toyota center soon for sure thank you